We can make our own sound effects next time. We can. <laughs> that reminds me of my first time. And we still do. <laughs> All right, here it comes. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Brock Dittis, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains and transit, adventures and life hacks. And today, the guy who inspired Jack Kerouac and many other beat authors... Rob Sadowski. <laughs> Just making up, making up facts about our guests. <laughs> I once did this brilliant beat rendition at, a, at an event that I wish I could do over and over again. Oh, yeah? Like a poetry reading sort well, of thing? Well, Real so Ginsburg? It was a live storytelling. It was the um, uh, Live the Revolution event. For, oh, sure. Yeah. And live so, the Revolution, which uh, for anyone who doesn't live in Portland, uh, you should come to Portland in February. And listen to bicycle stories told live from stage. Yeah, and so and, I was asked yeah. to tell a story, but instead of telling a story, I brought up a Rafa catalog <laughs> with a with an accompanying bongo player behind me, oh. and I read direct word for word the cal- the catalog from the yak leathered shoe. Uh-huh. Oh my god! While the bongo player played, tell me there's a video. It was, I don't know if there's a video, but I. I, Tell me, I, there's in a some ways, I think the audience was. There were part of the audience that was like, <laughs> I don't know if I should be insulted or laugh here. <laughs> right? What is happening? Yeah. My my expectations have been altered. Yeah. Uh, well, so that, that's the one thing about that event that needs to change is that I think not that not that people should not go to the event, but. If they can't go to the event, I'd love for them to be able to hear some of the stories. So we need to figure out, like, maybe if the Sprocket Podcast can help capture that uh, that stuff. I mean, that would be great. I mean, uh, one of my favorite shows in the city is the Mr. Box Theater. Yeah. And they are able to capture and do some of those stories live. And Right. Uh, if you haven't out there, uh, listen to Mystery, Mystery Box or um, the Risk Podcast. They're both pretty similar. Right. Um, go do it. They're, they're, they will... Um, They'll rock your world. Sharing stories you never thought you'd dare to share. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is that the is that the tagline? Well, that's risk? that's the risk. And the okay. mystery mystery box is mostly sex positive storytelling. Uh huh. Um, and it can get goofy. It can get very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, can get it's dirty. raw. It should get dirty. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a great date night, by the way. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's just right. As long really as you know well your date well enough to know that that's no, good. I went there on a, right. or, like, like the a end, third date know. or something with my wife. I'm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, this is good. This right. She gets this. This right. is, yeah, mm-hmm. nice. Well, story storytelling is just magical, I think. And you know, one of my biggest regrets is that when uh, listener Glenn Kubish came down from Edmonton to share mm-hmm. his story of film by bike in was it 13 or 14? I think it was 13. Okay, uh, nobody recorded that session either. And you know, well, but it was for the people that were there primarily. Uh, and I, in that case, exclusively. <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, stories should be shared. I bring it up. I bring up the beats, I guess, uh, subconsciously. Also, I bring up the fact that it's super hot in Portland. It's about to get hotter. And while Rob is doing just fine, Rob is cool as a cucumber. Matter of fact, he's wearing long pants. But uh, we have the door to the studio (laughs) open because it's just hot enough that, you know, so you can hear a motorcycle revving up outside, which is appropriate. But did you see the socks? The socks are there. Oh, the socks, man. The socks. Those have, like, purple around the top. Those are good. Purple, yeah. Those are good. Yeah. 
so, had a job interview, so I wanted to be special. Right, right. Because if I feel special, <laughs> maybe it'll go well. You know, that, that has something to do with how the interview goes, I'm sure. The power socks have always been more effective than the power tie, too. Right. When going into such situations. The only problem is you can, it's hard to subtly go, <laughs> look at my socks. Yeah, but it's like that internal confidence. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a self-booster. It's in so much differently than a tie. Yeah, absolutely. With me, there's likely something stained on that tie anyway. <laughs> nah, right, right. And you, well, I like pattern ties because then when you like, you know, when you f- spill your food on them, like I might, then it's harder to see that initially. Right. Paisley ties are great for that. Or food pattern ties. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. The pizza tie. The paella tie. Impressionist tie. Yeah. 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 Eat Salvador Dali tie. <laughs> as long as you <laughs> happen to be eating pomegranate. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I like, uh, I, I was bringing up the, the beats subconsciously. I didn't plan on this, but I realized that when I was in Denver at the end of my hiking trip, cause I just got back from three weeks on the Colorado trail where we went out and walked around in the woods and I went to a bar in downtown Denver, just across the street mm-hmm. from downtown Denver called my brother's bar. And that was a place where the old, uh, uh Dean was his character name in on the road by Jack Kerouac. Mm. But the uh, the real guy, Neil Cassidy was his name. Neil behind the wheel. Uh, probably liked to ride motorcycles, kind of like this guy that just left. And uh, he would frequent this bar. It's the oldest surviving bar, uh, continuously operating. Not by the same owners, but, hmm. you know, like, it's always been a bar since, you know, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. So that bar uh, has a framed copy of a letter from Kerouac, or not from Kerouac. Uh, it's to Kerouac from Neil Cassidy. And it the letterhead is from a correctional institution in Colorado hmm. that Neil had gotten booked into. And he said, hey, could you go by this bar? I have a tab. It's like 3 or $4. Would you please pay it? And so I don't know if Kerouac did or not. I would assume that he did. Huh. But the letter was delivered. And, I would like to uh, think Kerouac would have done that. He seems like a good stand-up gentleman. you know. Yeah. Although at the end of the most recent movie version of On the Road, he did leave Neil standing in the rain. Hmm. And it was kind of sad. Spoilers, if you haven't seen it. But, <laughs> now that um, you've heard, we just thought we'd tell you. Whoops. <laughs> Didn't think about that. Anyway, so that was one thing I saw. Um, anybody who downloads every episode religiously does know that I, uh, I, I post my journal from the Colorado Trail. I did a couple snippets of uh, minutes every couple days or so. Just like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. So that's up there. And uh, that's there. So, But now I'm back in town. And I got some things. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. So let me tell you about a couple of things that, that happened to me uh, just on Friday night. LaFart. Did you guys talk about LaFart last week? I couldn't remember. I don't recall. Okay. I don't think we, we did. were bad at promoting it. It was another oh, dumb we must bike have been, race. If I don't remember it, then that probably means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to t- I, we forgot to put it on the calendar altogether, I think. I just. Uh, I, re- I read about this. It was yeah, exciting, yeah. yeah. So LaFart stands for Lad's Fastest Alley Cat Trial Ooh. or something like that. Uh, you know, they were just kind of looking for a reason, I think, to use the word. But uh, our friend Eric Iverson put this together. We showed up at the event, and uh, he pulled out a phone with, a like, you know, a GPS track on it. Like, check this out. This is your goal for the race. And it was you have to ride and GPS track every paved surface in Lad Division. Huh. So it's got all those diagonal streets, all yep, those yep, alleyways yep. and all that stuff, a couple of— uh, So it's like an alley cat meets geeky transportation nerd? It's kind of, yeah. Like uh, riding every every surface. Exactly. And then whoever finished first. Totally. Was so, there an order to it? 
No, you could do it in whatever order seemed appropriate to you. Was there a study session where groups could collaborate small, on small the, groups. the optimal route prior for, to starting this alley cat? For five minutes. See? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. That's alley cat meets like geeky <laughs> transportation. Uh, I have, yeah. I have um, very unfond memories of alley cats in, mm-hmm. in my previous life as a director of a bicycle advocacy organization having to speak publicly uh, in press about alley cat racing. Oh, yes. Because uh, alley yeah. cat is kind of underground in most cases, right? Um. Well, you pretty much can't win unless you're failing to obey traffic regulations. Right. And in Chicago, a mm. bicycle racer blew through a three-way intersection and was hit by a woman who was um, driving a minivan with four kids in it. Yikes. And That's intense. The um, And killed him. Wow. Um, and um, That's not worth it. And the bicycling community wanted me to speak up against the an outrage of having minivans on streets. Uh-huh. Hmm. And the rest of the world wanted me to criticize the bicyclist who died for running a red light and yeah. putting himself into that position, putting her into mm-hmm. that position. It was one of those. There was no win in that situation. Mm-hmm. It spread very thin between the yeah. desire being thrown at you from both angles. Right. And Yikes. then there was a whole other element of it, which was he was riding a fixed gear. And there were a bunch of uh, journalists who wanted to learn like what is a fixed gear and I'm sure like, and did it have brakes let me put you on a fixed gear yeah. so you know and understand that you can stop mm-hmm. and every journalist that we did that came back going this is so much fun right mm-hmm. right it was infectious that they gave them a chance and it's to actually why i now have a fixed gear you have a fixed gear bike because of that it's not my only bike yeah yeah but no it's just it's it's a blast yeah did the connection to the machine the man and machine become one the melding of two i think that's part of it yeah and I think it's also part of you have to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that paying attention puts yourself in on the street and in the neighborhood in a way that's different than if you're not. Right. Like I, I've been on um, e-assist bikes. Mm-hmm. That in some ways, it's like it's really neat. It's really fast. But it's further distant from the street. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like you're uh, well, same thing with going in a car at thirty. You know, you're exactly. you're soaking it up at a different pace. Right. Right. And the the, the way the human brain sort of interprets that information, it's going to be a little bit more vehicle like than yeah that direct connection. So I, I finished lad, and I w- I would like to believe that I obeyed almost every traffic regulation that existed. I think I was cautious. It was also late at night in a very quiet neighborhood. There weren't a lot of cars rolling around, so <laughs> that worked out okay. But uh, there was a lot of like U-turning and like riding down a sidewalk, which is legal in that part of town, and then you know, coming back and hitting like one little piece of pavement that you hadn't seen yet. And so it was fun. Uh, I finished the entire thing with Adele. She and I were kind of keeping pace together and uh, finished it in an hour 13. And I forget exactly. I want to say it was 13.3 miles in all, hmm. with including all like the, you know, doubling back on yourself. It's like and a all half a marathon. Sort of yes. Yes. Except I was on a bicycle. So <laughs> it wasn't nearly as difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I don't run. But neither do I. I used to go out with a woman who said, why jog when you can get the same out-of-breath feeling from smoking a single cigarette? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't get the same health benefits. But I, as a person who both has run and smoked cigarettes, I, I understand both, yeah. I think. Mm. And they are very similar. <laughs> uh, one, had, one, you get shin splints. One, you don't. <laughs> we'll let you figure out which one. Yeah. Um, the uh, Caring Friends at one thirty a.m., I was there. I think I kind of closed down the event afterwards. And, um, you know, I... Well, speaking of which, before the event, well, let's just say hypothetically, you could go to a place that served alcohol, alcoholic beverages. 
Not saying I would do such a thing, because that would be wrong and against the law. But the beer mongers in Southeast Division 12, uh, they're a fine shop. And at some time, indeterminate before the race, I was there having having a beverage with a friend. So that they, was fun. They have one of my favorite beers. Which one? It's a smoked German beer. Ooh. Uh, wait, is that? I feel like I may have had that. What's it's it like, called? It's got lots of words on it. It's okay. like a monastery. It's <laughs> it's a Rauch, Rauch beer. Okay, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, one of the few places that I can go and get there at a at a great price. That's awesome. Yes, nice. I I'm a big fan, and they of course do sponsor us with the beverages every week. I on didn't the show. know that. Yeah, they're they're great. Have been for Lovely. years. Thank you, thank you, and beer mongers. While we're thinking about the beer mongers, they're having their uh, that remember remember the fifth of September. Um, I know that's not how it's supposed to go, but uh, they are having their uh, their anniversary. Oh, yeah. And I'm trying to remember. I want to say 2008 is when they got started, so we're coming up on nine years of the beer mongers. Uh, but they're going to have a birthday party, and it's going to be nine. Yeah, nine. Uh, there's going to be a party, and it's going to be great. And if you haven't been so to the be beer in that parking lot, or Like they've taken that whole parking lot, or what are they I doing? I don't know if they're going to take the whole parking lot, but they're definitely going to have the tent outside. They always nice. have, you know, when they have events, they have someone making food, mm-hmm. and uh, I bought a great burger last time they had a party there. Uh, and, of course, fine beers on draft and bottled. Uh, for a small cabbage fee, you can enjoy anything on the premises. In air conditioning, where it's nice and cool. This is Which true. we need this week. Yeah. So yeah. in other words, I'll see you there Wednesday. Absolutely. Yes. It's supposed to be record-breaking temperatures here. Uh, Wednesday? Uh, I thought you said it was September 5th. Wednesday. Well, that's not. The record-breaking pr- temperatures we'll, happen we'll, first. We'll, we'll prepare Oh, we'll go there to prepare. Wednesday. We'll practice. But then we'll be back on the Lift. 5th of September. Yeah. I would say never go to the beer mongers just like, you know, uh, without practicing going to the beer mongers. <laughs> in order to successfully go to the beer mongers, you have to go and try it out and, and, you know, figure out exactly what you're supposed to do when you get there. I recommend going at least three times. And then you'll be a really good uh, beer mongers attendant. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyways, they they sponsor us. I was there. Uh, I also uh, after Lafarte, we were hanging out at Apex, which is open later than the beer mongers. It was very Pretty close much to Kitty Corner to beer yes, mongers. all the way across the intersection there. Mm, much more expensive to buy beer from from their bottles. I know. Yes. Why would you go anywhere besides the beer mongers? Only if they're closed, really. Uh, and so they were closed, and I was there. <laughs> And uh, so I had a couple of pints, and I was feeling pretty great. Uh, but then I realized I was feeling so great that I was I was a little bit you know stumbly, like sometimes you get if you imbibe beverages. And so I'm on my way away, and uh, Iverson is there, and he's like, "Man, you can't you can't bike. You're not in any shape, too." And I'm like, "I'm fine." Like you know, like everybody does when they're drunk. Like you'll be you don't know what you're talking about. And so I finally convince him that I'm going to be okay. And I throw my leg over the bike, put it on the pedal, and promptly fall on my ass. <laughs> and so uh, mm. he's like, no, you're not fine. We're going to go over to Dots, like, which is just up the street where they serve nachos, and you're going to eat some nachos and sober up. And it was super nice of them, super cool. We got a cool film strip out of it. They got a little hmm. photo booth there. You know, It's like, uh, I don't know, it, it was a good way to... Good way to make sure that I was doing the right thing, being safe on the streets before mm-hmm. I tried to get myself home. Sometimes and you just have to take a friend's handlebars away. That's right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it, I got to pay it forward because then, like, the next night I was hanging out with a friend, and that friend fell on, on that friend's ass and was, you know, also not in no shape to go home. And so I ordered a lift and said, you're just going to you're gonna put your bike in this car, and you're going to go home, and that'll be, that'll be how it works. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, take care of each other, I guess. So the last thing to talk about, is, well, oh, two more things. Sorry, I'm going on and on. Python, which we've been promoting for uh, for weeks now. And Python. For years, we've been talking about Python. 
uh, little backyard music festival and arts festival hosted, and uh, the Sprocket Podcast, Aaron and I were the MCs, which is cool. We got to mm-hmm. introduce all the bands, give all the announcements, and that sort of thing. Was there pie? There, as a matter of fact, was pie. <sighs> there was pie. Uh, there were two flavors. There was a peach pie and uh, and a, a strawberry pie, and they were both like these mm. individual crusted pies. You mm. could... You didn't even need a plate. You could just was, grab was, their crust. Butter, right? They weren't vegan. Oh, they pies. were so yeah, good. Okay, they good. were so good. There was questions <laughs> about that, about whether they were vegan pies, and they were not vegan pies, but yeah. they were good pies. Not that not if, that vegan pies can't be good. Oh no, no, absolutely. Yeah. I've had some great ones. They can be of very fact, flaky. Yeah, the lady who yeah. made the pies for Python actually was pretty great. Well, yeah. Sometimes they don't show up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, no, want, she, I once saw a patch on a backpack that have said a vegan fascist is still a fascist. Ah, okay. There Just we go. putting that out there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This machine kills pies. No, there's no way to loop that this back. Pie kills, My other Prius this is pie, a Prius. This fascist. pie kills fascists. There you go. <laughs> there. Yeah. Well done. I should know that quote. Yeah. It's true. It's true. He's not your namesake, is he? He is. Is he? Yep. Really? You were named for Woody Guthrie. Uh, that's correct. That's awesome. Yeah. Because he's, I mean, he's locally connected, what with the Columbia River and all, and yeah. Oregon and, the, and all the other things. You know, the whole having parents who liked the tree planting thing back in the 60s and 70s, so it got along pretty well. It's going to happen. Well, I was yeah. named after Bobby Kennedy. Who are you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. As that's many, many Roberts. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I was like, subconsciously, my name was influenced by like a cheap CD motel. Hmm. In the town I was born in, you've got like two choices: the, the motel Brock. or the motel or Pokemon. So I'd say that's possibly the better <laughs> of the with two. The hotel. But I did grow up and become a trainer, so there's oh, that nice. too. Uh, yeah. Pokemon joke for anybody who knows it. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, Python was great. Just the, it happened. It was a lot of fun. Uh, next day, I did a ride to the river, and nice. uh, the river. Uh, Sandy River out in Troutdale mm-hmm. from Portland. It's like uh, what an hour and a half or something from where we live mm-hmm. out to the Troutdale kind of access to the Sandy River. There's a nice old historic bridge over it. Did you go up to the bridge or just down closer to the Columbia? Well, we went to we went to the Sandy to hang out, kind of okay. dip our toes in that sort of thing and mm-hmm. all that. Uh, but uh, but we we dragged our bikes onto the beach and dragged them around the corner into the shade, and then we sat on the beach and. But ate you, did food. you go to the Dumpling House? I did not go to the Dumpling House this time. There is a, a wonderful chicken and dumplings location at Tad's. They're Tad's. not paying us to talk mm. about them, but they are great. Yeah. Amazing chicken big, and dumplings. Yeah, big dumplings. A friend of mine has his birthday party there every year. Do they put a candle in the dumpling? I don't think so. I, I forget. Uh, we uh, should try that next year. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. One of the things that's been on my mind is this totality. Totality. And totality. And I've been, I, I currently have plans to go down to Corvallis, but... All this, like the um, the transportation horror mm-hmm. that will happen. I'm just thinking, all I need to do is go 27 miles south. Like I'm just biking. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to bike down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to experience it. And then while I bike home, laugh at people as they sit in their cars. Oh, you're talking about the eclipse. Yeah. The eclipse totality. The, that was the my totality. totality. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because because I was be... thinking because that's around the same distance. It's mm-hmm. like this wouldn't be that hard to do. My God, it's going to be a shit show. Yeah. Have I mean, we talked about we, this yet? We haven't, but it's funny because I think we've talked about it after the show the last two weeks in a row. Okay. Yeah, I'm really interested to see who was like, I have to do it no matter what. Yeah. And those was like, eh, it's not going to be a big deal. I was, if nobody knows, if, if someone doesn't know, if anybody does not know. Or if you're listening gonna, to this too late. That's right. There either is going to be or was an eclipse in history. But it's the first time there's been like a massive total solar eclipse over the state of Oregon in quite a while. Yeah. yeah. I think um, the last one was possibly in the 70s or 80s there. It'll yeah. be the in only this, one in, in my this context. Life. It's going to be the only one in my opportunity in my life. I want to see it. I want to see like it. Kind of like Haley's Comet. 
Or is it Halley's Comet when it comes around? Only once once in a lifetime. Wait. No, this is supposed to be more... I mean, that's going to be interesting from a scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. But what this is supposed to be is something in a more es- essential spiritual sense. Like, mm-hmm. you will never experience that sun going black and right. what that experience can be the sound of animals and going quiet mm-hmm. the ability to see stars and planets that between the sun and earth that you have generally don't get a chance to see mm-hmm. have to work god damn it never again okay. and, and so my stepdaughter is 16 yeah. she's like oh i'll just be able to look at pictures and i'm like uh, you're ne- i'm it'll be on instagram is, i mean I'm never so, <laughs> the earth does get a couple total eclipses decently often but you have to travel so this is as particularly right. special because like we were saying for Oregon. So you, you could technically, but if you don't want to end up on the other end of the world for when that goes through the track every 13 years, then yeah, it's a great time to hit it. And totally. I've, I've seen partial eclipse and usually my experience is like, eh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so just see something that's that complete. And other people are like, well, 98% should be good or 97% oh, no. should be good. Not it's not the same thing. I was talking it's to really a friend not. of mine, Ben, who's his plan is to go up on Mount Hood oh, really? with ski, like way up on Mount Hood. Uh-huh. And he's not mm-hmm. going to see the totality, but he's expecting to see a shadow. Watch cast. the shadow yep. fall across yeah. the land. And nice. a- across Mount Jefferson. And wow. Everything. that That's a great idea. Some, and of course, you have to be camp. able to do that, like ski up that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, him included, some very smart people probably going to get some very good camera gear up on Mount Hood for this one. And there's going to be a shot from that, I'll bet. I was listening to, um, what's the... Um, the the show on uh, OPB about art uh, artbeat mm-hmm. or whatever okay. uh, that April Bear is doing and they were interviewing someone who said oh no maybe it was think out loud and they yeah. said which is the best news program anywhere in America and it's the only down. really local news program mm-hmm. uh, is it's really different the totality between mm-hmm. the local yeah and yep. you really just need to experience it just go do it. And but it's so emotional. It's, yeah. it's hard to really mm-hmm. explain what that's like. Right. Did you hear the part? So I think we might have actually been listening at the same time or during a re-airing. But they had people calling in who were talking about like yes. their last experiences. And you get these folks who have seen an eclipse forty-five years ago, and and this the level of like sentiment and reminiscence that these callers were displaying was just incredible. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not missing that. I don't yeah. think anyone yeah. who's listening should miss that. Yeah. Find if, it. And it goes, it's, if you're listening anywhere in the United States, it, it's not just Oregon. It's going to cross all the way through a sort of a, a breath all the way through Georgia and, um, and South Carolina. Just yeah. so it'll yep. go through yep. Indiana. Yep. Even in people in Indiana can watch the eclipse. Even in Indiana. And yeah. if after all of this, you're still on the fence, uh, there's a fantastic episode on a channel called smarter every day on YouTube where, um, they talk with one of the top scientists in terms of the the calculations and and just basically everything about this eclipse and i admit i was on the fence i'm still maybe partially towards the fence but gosh was i a lot closer after (laughs) watching this video and so um if anyone's curious it's a fantastic breakdown from people who know exactly what they're talking about it's about 11 minutes but certainly worth your while if you check it out smarter every day so here's the thing after this total eclipse happens this totality of eclipse all these people who had this amazing, like, quasi-spiritual experience are going to be forced to get into their cars Head for and the spend airport. eight hours in hell trying to get back through gridlock anywhere mm-hmm. close to where they want to actually be. So riding your bicycle is actually a pretty good idea. Oh, yeah. We've actually had um, two people contact our shop this week who are looking to do exactly that. So okay. 
Um, Are you guys putting together something? Uh, I mean, we're already pretty well like going for the summer, so yeah. we're happy to rent bikes. People can do what they will. Um, you, you can use a bike. I happen to have the opportunity to get a day off that day, so I think I know where I'm going to be. Um, where are you going to be? Salem. Okay, there yep. we go. Watching That's, the totality. Oh, and Salem is an easy... It's not a hard bike Oh, ride. it's not. No, I've I mean, I'm going to be in Corvallis, and I'm thinking, yep. I can bike back from Corvallis. Now, oh, yeah. Are you going to be watching it in downtown Salem? No, I've, okay. got, yeah. I've got relatives. Because that would um, be an interesting experience, too. It's the thing to do. Yeah. I, I grew up a little bit in West Salem, so I've still got some relatives there okay. and i emailed her uh for my aunt and she was like oh well as long as you don't mind the other 20 people at our house for that <laughs> particular weekend um so yeah. apparently the word is out um but nice. no I, I was figuring yeah for a nice easy bike ride and you know you can get around the traffic jams if needed but totally or you don't even have to leave right away that's the other thing you mm-hmm. don't have to leave right away you can experience wherever you are and mm-hmm. spend a little time maybe even take you another just, day off just yeah be there just be there yeah i gotta see i mean it it I would say 99% sure I cannot get the day off. But if I can, I'm Go for going it. to. There's the whole, Do you need like, me to be your excuse? Thing. You want to, like, hit your knee with a hammer or something? Wait, so if I... No, I don't want that. But if <laughs> I tell you where my office is, you could go up and, like, like unplug some, some cables or something and make it impossible for me to do my job. Yeah, the problem is I'll probably be in Corvallis. So <laughs> oh, okay, never on mind. On a bike riding. Never mind. Miles. Yeah, you no, can't. But we can hire someone. You know, of, there's these. Nothing about a super glue and a doorknob can You can hire someone fix. to do anything. It's, that is just, It's like, like a, It's kind of like, like a handy one. Uber for hammers, right? Yeah, <laughs> Uber for sabotage. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me how to do my job. It sickens me. <laughs> is, that what, is that what Shatner said? I forget. I don't know. You know that whole if thing? It, if it wasn't an episode in You say sabotage, I, I say sabotage. Uh, do you want to come in here and, and do this for me? Do you want to read these? That's what he said. <laughs> and it's like it's out there on video somewhere. Uh, Guthrie, you had something. <laughs> you no, had a you're friend come into town. I've been enjoying. Oh, yeah. So uh, a good, like, sort of one of those friend of a friend situations. Um, Ganji, who uh, came to the UBI Institute a couple of years ago. and then The Universal Bicycle Yep. Institute? Institute, yeah. The Institute they of Institutes? The Institute of Institutes. It's like an ATM machine. In the world of bikes, it is the Institute of Institutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You learn how to be a bicycle mechanic there. Indeed. Or build and, and frames. You can. There's more than just to make. Oh, yeah, there's all, all sorts of stuff. Learn how to um, wrench and weld and all that. Can, yeah. I think Seriously. he actually took both courses, but I could be, I could be off on that. Um, <laughs> but he basically, yeah, he had been in Thailand for the last two and a half, three years or so there. Um, and he landed back in Portland and, uh, we were just sharing this anecdote in the, in the classic, like big world, small world sense of, uh, somebody you meet in 2015 on a bike tour, hooks you up with a friend of a friend who comes to UBI. And then three years later, they invite you to a potluck. And what do you know? But you're at the, um, wonderful host of one of the most excellent bike shops in town, uh, for Gladys cycles. And so just a very small community. And when you show up and you see Leah Benson, uh, hanging out inside and you're like, Oh cool. Yeah. I think I know what kind of crew is here today. Um, so part of that bike world, but yeah, big, small world and really great to see Ganji and see what he's been doing for the bike shop there. Yeah. The interconnectedness of all things. It is. Yeah. <laughs> all possible via riding a bike. That's been, and you had no and idea that it was going to be like uh, a potluck at someone's house that you knew. You just heard like, hey, oh, there's going to yeah. be this Oh, yeah. I mean, I, f- I figured, you know, if you, you have a, a friend you don't see too often, I mean, I guess I, looking back on it, probably should have made a couple of basic assumptions on that uh, social circle. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, always, it's always a pleasant surprise. Right, right. Um, yeah, and then the other one is, um, I don't know, talking about trips, Jane and I made it down to Opal Creek this past weekend. Oh, so. Opal Creek. Creek, where is that? Opal Creek <gasps> is just east of Salem, and it 
for that question, you should go check it out before the weather dips here because I think you'd quite like it. Oh, Ooh. if you're, yeah, this week would be a great week to go this, in. That's, yeah. in fact, it where we might amazing. be going it's again one of this the, week. It's one of the few places in Oregon with old growth forests, uh-huh. first of all. So big trees. And big it's a trucks. great backpacking experience. Or you could do a day, day yep. pack. But there's a series of pools that are linked in oh. that are generally really, really cold. and They um, look like opals. And because are of they full the of silver, I think, in the mercury, maybe mercury, but that, that's in the mm-hmm. water. There's uh-huh. an old, it's an old mine area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's and as safe as tuna, right? Oh, yes. To, to drink. Do what? With the mercury and everything. You, you, you filter the stuff, but it's, <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm getting at is <laughs> the color of the pools are yep. really yeah, yeah. amazing. And then the experience. And it is a really great backpacking place to go. Mm-hmm. It's not very – it can be crowded in terms mm-hmm. of the hike, but once you get past uh, the crowd, the backpacking yeah. experience There's There's one fabulous. main pool that most folks will go towards. And so if you're at the um, Ancient Forestry Center, which is sort of the start of many of the trails for that area – uh, once you get about 15 or 20 minutes past that, that drops down pretty much to zero most nice. days. I can't say the same for the weekend, but certainly for the weekdays, uh, which we have off. Very good experience. It's somewhere I've been going uh, since I was a little kid just because it was nearby to Salem. Yeah. Um, and on but, the way yeah, back pretty great. to Portland, there's a great ice cream place to stop at because you really, you know, it's like their first civilization out of backpacking world. <laughs> yep. And yep. it's great ice cream. You've been out in the woods the for just cream. a little bit and like, well, I've been dreaming about this mm-hmm. and the possibility of this for, for like yeah. eight days or like however long you're out in the woods. And you're like, it, it doesn't even have to be that long. You go out in the woods one day and you're mm-hmm. like, I want something that somebody else made and handed to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's clo- the thing is that I don't think people realize how close this is. This yeah. is just, yeah. it is. It's like an hour walk in from the parking lot. It's on a and it's old a two and a half road. Hour road drive yeah. from Portland, maybe? Yeah, just about. Yeah. So you uh, can do that in a weekend. Oh, you yeah. You can easily do it in a weekend, and yeah. it's just, it's gorgeous. So don't tell anybody, guys. Just oh, go shit. Out and do it yourself. That's okay. Folks in Salem already know it exists. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah, that's also fun. Like, I, I, uh, the pool jumping is a pretty good one. Yeah. Obviously, you know, take that as it lays. Uh, but at the same time, there's a really great way to go up the trail. And then what we usually do these days is just bring dry bags. Mm-hmm. And we'll just kind of, like, pocket our way through the pools uh, in between Opal Pool and the trailhead for about a half hour up. So That sounds great. Great way to have fun. Great way to stay cool. Especially when it's going to be so hot. Especially experience some of that wonderful Oregon wilderness. Yeah. And there's a lot of it out there. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a beautiful spot. I'm, well, I'm surprised I didn't know about it before. It's, I, yeah, I guess I've been other places. So, so people that are listening, only tell your really close friends exactly. about the spot. Yeah, exactly. Don't tell. We're not, it's not even going to be in the show notes. <laughs> It'll just say secret trip. So... Cool. Well, have a good time. That's awesome. Yeah. Very good. Well, Rob, it's good to have you back on the show. We uh, we had you. I'm trying to remember. It's been a couple of years since you've came in to uh, to be on the show. And uh, since then, you used to work in the bike advocacy world, and uh, you still are an advocate for bikes in your own personal life yeah, like and in your so. lifestyle. Yeah. But uh, you're you're moving on to, to other things. So um, it's good to have you back. Thank you. It's great to be here. So you show. you sent me a list of a couple of things that uh, you were thinking would be interesting to talk about, and I think I just want to lob them out, and uh, one at a time, please. One have at a time. you answer them all now? I, I'd like you to maybe like unpack the question if there's anything on it behind it that you think needs to be explained, and then let's dive in. Okay. Mm-hmm. So number one, you ask, what is it about Portland that makes us so frustrated and yet unwilling to do anything? That's a big question. It's a huge question. But it, partly I ask that because as I have had a variety of conversations with people over the last few months about what I want to do in life mm-hmm. and also what those opportunities are and talking about uh, people about potentially working with them, 
everybody seems to be frustrated with Portland. Oh. Mm. Nobody seems to like think this is the um, ideal anymore. There's, it's not a paragon of society. Uh-huh. Um, there's something wrong with everything. And it just it's starting to get at people's nerves in a way that's raw mm-hmm. and I think also very exciting. Hmm. Um, because Why is it exciting? Well, because that's what makes change. Like when people, um, people get so mad as hell that they got to do something, or give up, or, or move, so yeah, I was gonna know, say, or, or as ap- apathetic as hell, <laughs> yeah. and then they just say, "Screw it." But you know, at some level, I mean, if you look at a variety of things, you know, whether it's issues of police brutality, mm-hmm. whether it's used affordable housing, which does not exist in Portland, yeah, mm-hmm. um, nowhere close in. Even the steps that we're trying to take, whether it's in Salem or it's our state capital and trying to reform a policy that would be encouraged the creation of affordable housing or at least create opportunities for rent control or other things, uh, the barriers that are getting thrown up are just so huge and nobody wants to talk about real solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, that's going to get people to start to think. Sure. You think nobody wants to talk about real solutions or do you think they're so stymied like they don't know what the answers are? Or they're not willing to accept yep. uh, what those solutions can be and what it can mean for them. Um, I'll give you an example. I mean, mm-hmm. clearly one of the solutions for any community that's facing affordable housing is you need to increase density. Ah. Mm-hmm. Portland is not a very dense community. Yeah. And, and if you look at, uh, you know, I, I walked in the world of active transportation, walking, biking, in transit. And you walked in it. I did. I walked it. I biked it. And I took transit. You were actively involved and there's nobody <laughs> that can tell me in any kind of seriousness that the transit mall downtown in portland works mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's neat l- it's a neat trick it's uh, loud it's not a great place to be in <laughs> it doesn't work as a pedestrian environment it doesn't work as a bicycle environment it barely works as a transit environment you do know and that if you, you have create... to catch a bus it's probably going to be on that transit mall i guess no exactly <laughs> but I mean, that's from just that's about it from, but that's about it but from a from a how do we create if you want to create those, okay, you've got one place where everyone's going to be. That's where you want all your dense housing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's not that doesn't happen there because it's not a great place to live. Sure, so because how, of the transit mall. Because partly it's so loud. because Is of that, the transit mall, yeah. partly because of zoning, partly because of cost, partly because of a variety of things. But if we really want to address issues of affordable housing in Portland or any gentrifying community in the United States or any place for that matter. Of which there are many. You need to create more dense environments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But compare that or um, parallel that with a city council that's elected at large of four of five council members, including the mayor, that live in the southwest, which yep. is the least dense neighborhood of uh. all. Where's that impetus and leadership going to come from? It's not coming from places of density and rental housing because we have these political alignment or political way of getting people elected that just doesn't blend and build a real democratic community. Mm. Interesting. Do you think that's changing? You know, and I guess it's neither here nor there, but a bit with Chloe's nomination. I think Chloe's nomination has been great. Okay. Um, partly you mean because city of city councilor Chloe yeah. Adulay. Yeah. 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 Partly because of geographical. U- U- How do you say her name? Udelay. Udelay. I believe I'm prepared to be wrong. All right. Um, Partly because of where she was elected from, partly because um, she was open about her uh, focus, not just on affordable housing, but on mm-hmm. tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and as a renter as well. Correct. Yeah. Um, and she is an elected official advocating for renters who herself rents, right? Right. But it would be interesting to see when she comes around in 
two more years when she has to mm-hmm. go up for election again, where she will be on proportional election, um, whether um, yeah. And I, and I guess what I meant by that was just if you as a point of change or as a point of um, you know progress in that I, direction. My my cynical reaction would be that Chloe was not elected because of who she was, but because who Steve was. Oh, okay, and it was unfortunate that people. Uh, took their anger out hmm. of someone they thought was screwing them who mm-hmm. wasn't. You're saying the person she replaced yeah. was not yeah. a great option, and that's why she got Well, her. people thought he wasn't a great option. Yeah, people I were mean, worried because they were thought they were going to tax them. They were taking their parking away. What Steve was trying to do was build dense urban communities yep. with really good transportation. Chloe came in and was able to tap into the anger, and a lot of people voted for her because they wanted someone else. In reality, Chloe's not a lot different than Steve, except for personality, mm-hmm. which can make a difference. Um, but what will happen later in two sure. years, how she governs, because now she has to govern. Um, and that's the other part of Portland that can be frustrating is we elect people at large to be uh, to make policy. But at the same time, they have to govern and manage bureaus. And it's very um, – I don't see them very complimentary. Mm. you got to be a big thinker, a deep thinker. And you have to be a good manager. Right. And it's very, it's very hard to do both of those and devote your conscience on things like budget when someone else is saying, I don't want to fund your bureau mm-hmm. unless you fund my bureau. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Pretty- most people are probably, by the time they're done, most people are probably so glad that they're done with like a two-year term. They're like, oh, I can finally get out of this responsibility. <laughs> then they can pass it along to well, the next well, schmo or whatever. Or they don't even do that full two-year term. When, yeah. when was the last time we had a mayor that had served full two, 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 year, two terms? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and so that's a struggle in our community that wants to be different. Mm-hmm. We love the fact that we're different. We're the only city in the country that has a commissioner form of government. Yep. Yep. But it's not great for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's an interesting idea, but it's ne- not necessarily – it's not working out well for us all the time. No. Yeah. But but what's interesting, there are other things about Portland that are interesting, is that we, we love process. We love that community process. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a way to blend representational politics with that community process, it can be really a beautiful place. Taxation mm-hmm. and representation, you're saying? No. <laughs> okay. No, I, I was just – I was trying to into Washington, D.C. Na- stuff. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it, well, Washington, D.C. It doesn't have – yeah. That's, it's a it's sense of – I lived in Chicago 21 years. We had 50 aldermen. It was crazy. It was very expensive. Each mm-hmm. alderman had 60,000 people that they were responsible for. They were little czars of their own community. Sure. And before but if we I go had on, an issue, can I, I, can I just clarify? Uh, an alderman. This came up the other day on yeah. a bike ride. What is an alderman? An alderman's the same thing as a council member. Oh, okay. It's a city council person. <laughs> okay. however you, wards, alders, all these. I, they're not trees. Um, <laughs> right. But. But they are they're in charge. But so of I trees. knew who my alderman was, mm-hmm. and I had knew who their staff was. If I had a problem with garbage or potholes, you generally went to your local rep who knew your community very well. Like that's the person and had budgetary in opportunities to spend money and access resources there. Okay, if you have problems now, you're kind of like in the whole mix. Some of that's good mm-hmm. because it can for those communities. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease is sure. kind of true in Chicago. Those that are more empowered communities, particularly those that are more white communities, would get more services than those were say black or Latino. Um, so it's not a perfect world in Chicago, but there was a sense of connection to the political process that you don't have here. Like it's easier for people to be political. You almost could some be. ways. It was hard not to be political. In sure. Chicago. Yeah. Here it's very easy not to be political. Okay. So it's acceptable get, too. Whereas like yeah. it's it's viewed I think with more of a stigma somehow in mm-hmm. Portland. Yeah. Yeah, you you sense that? 
it's um, like a yeah, a little just, bit. Yeah, it's like well, politics are over there, and I just don't uh, want to get dirty with it. <laughs> or, or like you know, I'll, I'll hold my opinions, but I'll hold them a little closer to the to the chest. And so what that does is it leaves the power with the people who show up. The people who show up tend to be wealthier white homeowners who go in and because they have time or they have access mm-hmm. or they're retired. Mm-hmm. And the people who don't have control within that system, who don't have power in the system, are the people who are working more than one job, who yeah. can't take time off mm-hmm. to go to city council. And that's typically people of color. And so that it reinforces a inherently racist city this whole that systemic refuses problem. to admit that we have inherent racist issues mm-hmm. yeah and it, the, the interesting thing is i feel like did you guys bring up the the williams bike lane right like this a little whole, bit yeah I, a couple of weeks ago you guys and i were realized mentioning that, that my analogy was a bit failed because it was sort of the, actually the opposite of what had been happening but yeah okay. in that regard yeah but the idea that like there's there's a large undercurrent of things history and whatnot that uh i feel like particularly if you didn't grow up in Portland or mm-hmm. in Oregon, it's important to educate yourself on kind of the history of stuff because there, oh, I think there it's are your, some, your civic duty. Yes. There are some big systemic problems over time that, you know, that like you're describing make like life difficult for people who might not necessarily be in the majority like of ethnicity or of, uh, of um, oh, no, economic no. status. And so it's, it's good to know kind of what those things are. And like you're saying, like these are the things that we need to look at and address. And we, haven't had a lot of that like i feel like i mean when the williams bike lane project was there that was our mayor at that time was sam adams and he was he was willing to admit some of those things but it's not a big piece of the public dialogue in portland so no but still no one uh from official city politics a mayor or a council member who has been in charge of transportation has ever come out and apologized for paving a freeway down the middle of an African-American community. Like that's mm-hmm. never been acknowledged publicly. Yeah. No. And so that, yeah, that, I mean, that's huge. And that could go, that can, that's a big step. Just saying yeah. we did wrong. This happened. We right. got to do something and, with it. And what was interesting in my last job as being the director of a bicycle advocacy organization was I took so much heat, so much shit for, um, expounding the philosophy of listen first, engage with the community Talk to a community about their needs are and what their interests are. Engage on common interests like safety and then go from there rather than just coming out as a bicycle advocate and saying, we need a great bike lane down this road. It's almost easier because I knew that the short term gain of winning that bike lane would kill the future, particularly with being able to partner with communities of color down the road. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But the the arrogance of a privileged advocate group, which I would I think bicyclists certainly fit that. Um, that can happen pretty easily. It was bicycling. vicious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely vicious. And, you know, we did what we thought we could should do, which was take the high road and do what we needed to do and develop relationships. And, and it paid off really well over a long term. But still today, people remember that and say, oh, you're one, they're the guy who ran the organization that didn't X, Y, Z. Right. Because your your view sounds like you're describing a, a view that was kind of like a, the bigger picture like kind of bird's eye perspective of like the ultimate good over time is going to be for the community to get like something that's good for it as opposed to one user group to get something that's good for that one user group well and i wasn't willing to say that just because a certain user group african-american homeowners in the william street corridor mm-hmm. for example in the boise king neighborhood who had been moved because of gentrification had no longer an ability to say what matters for that community. Mm-hmm. And so that input, that opportunity to engage with community about what the future of Portland looks like 
shouldn't just be those who can afford to right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, like, like we're saying, like the big picture, the bird's eye view and being able to involve all the voices, including the ones that mm-hmm. have moved to like the farthest away neighborhoods that still should have a voice in what their city looks like. Well, and they so. should be able to, I mean, my vision, a little bit arrogant maybe, but my vision is every community has places that people can afford to live in. Sure. Yeah. Not just out in far suburban communities. Right. Well, I was thinking about that when I was riding my bike to Troutdale mm-hmm. yesterday on the way to the river because I was like, well, uh, I'm super tired and I'm only about three quarters of the way there. But this is where everyone, this is where I would be living like six years ago when I, you know, didn't yeah. make enough to afford uh, someplace like where I am now. So, yeah. Yeah. Or if you have like, a, if you're living solo versus being in a partnership with somebody like, for right. example, Jane's sister, um, closest place she was able to get relatively reliably was out at about 122nd. And, you know, if I wasn't in a relationship with Jane, I'd be in that boat as well. Mm-hmm. So the obvious answer is everyone should get into a relationship. Well, I'm not sure if I'm going there with that, but <laughs> well, so just, just the, yeah. <laughs> but there yeah, you go. No, but it's like, yeah, you have to yeah. have roommates if you want to afford a place yeah, exactly. that costs like eight thousand dollars a month. Oh so, yeah, yeah. And I've 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 had roommates ever since college, so that's been just kind of a fact of life. But right. You're like, oh shoot, like yeah, don't. it's a interesting trade-off. Right. Well, it sounds like the question that you or the the issue, Rob, that you were posing in this question is how do we motivate will, right? Like how do we get people to care enough to do something? Is that accurate? It's a great question to ask. Um, and it's a great, um, starting point for a conversation. And part of it is just to get people to think. Mm -hmm. Um, I know plenty of people who look at, uh, I think we were talking a little bit as sort of prepping for the show about, um, homeless. Like there are people who are camping next door to anyone out there. Right. Uh huh. And asking the right question. The question isn't, why are they living next to me? Or how do I get them to move their or RV? Or how do I get them yeah. It's, yep. why do they have to? Yeah, why does sure. put them in a place that this is the only place that they have options for? Why do people want... I mean, this is not something people want to live in, right? They want sanitation. They want good housing. They want good food. They want access to transportation. But they're in a situation where they're forced to, whether it's because of mental health conditions or addiction or lack of job or a variety of things. It doesn't take much mm-hmm. to move someone from one economic status to another. Yep. It really doesn't. Right. Yeah. It's the razor's edge. Yeah. And, and I, you can easily fall in the wrong direction sometimes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been so close to that myself. I was. I, I look back at various times in my life, like I want to say it was 2005, where... If I hadn't had friends with, like, an extra room and I was just like, hey, can I crash with you guys for, like, three months and not pay any rent? And they're like, sure, go ahead. You know, mm-hmm. if, I, if I hadn't had that option, I would not be a financially solvent person today because mm-hmm. I would have been fighting an uphill battle, uh, leaving an apartment and all that stuff. And, yeah, and so. And what a lot of people don't realize is that itself is privilege. Yes. I mean, you had people you knew because they were also in an environment or a situation where they didn't have seven children living with them. You know, there's that that nature of understanding that you had a position or an opportunity that someone else didn't 
Instead of saying, well, why didn't they do what I did? Yeah. Why didn't they pick themselves up by their bootstraps? Right. And the thing is, aside from the metaphor, anymore. not and every pair of shoes has bootstraps. Exactly. You know, yeah. and it depends on what your parents, what, what shoes did your parents give you? What shoes were you able to afford? What shoes did you choose to buy? Right. You know, it's not always just uh, the fact that you have bootstraps and you're not using them. Right. And if Oregon itself really wants to make an impact on homelessness, I believe it has to make an impact on mental health and addiction. And those two are very linked, especially, again, this goes back to knowing, knowing your history. I mean, uh, I believe it was nationally that uh, back in the 80s under a certain administration, there were uh, a lot of people turned out of institutions that were good places for them, that had yeah. people that were caring for them, and then they were suddenly made to fend for themselves with tools they didn't have. So, Or faced putting into another institution. Sure, a worse one. Privately owned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and managed, yeah. Right. So, uh, so Will. Will Van Loo? Yes. He's a great guy. <laughs> and he also is very knowledgeable about all these topics. Uh, finding out, like, it seems to me like education has a big piece of, of kind of getting, like, you know, if, if people are complaining, sometimes people complain and they don't know anything. Sometimes people know something and they still complain. And those people are called assholes. Uh, and the way not to be an asshole, in my view, seems to be, to do something with what you know. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're describing here is, is or if you don't do something with, you know, take a class, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the Portland underground school bugs, mm-hmm. uh, that has classes on some of these great topics or Portland community college, or go to a, go to a lecture, go to a city club event and activity or listen to the Friday forum. It's not hard to get educated. Mm-hmm. Um, and when but you're you have to face that reality yeah. of what it you is, have to be, you have to be ready to accept that, but, you aren't necessarily at a place where you could be and that you want to get that. That's exactly right. Right, right. And in order to come up with solutions, you have to you have to be able to kind of think things through broadly. So, Or realize that you're not the one to come up with solutions. Sure. You need to help uh, this city realize that as well. But the it's listening mm-hmm. and being a, gr- a good neighbor and, and, and figuring out a way to be a good neighbor that doesn't tell people what to do listening is a huge skill an enormous skill yeah and it's super super useful yeah well uh speaking of government and education and all these things the 15 dollars bike tax we've covered it a couple of times the past couple weeks and uh uh, in short, Oregon has instituted a sales tax on bicycles. They're not calling it a sales tax, but when you buy a bike, you have to pay an extra $15. And uh, yep. that's for bicycles over $200. So what do you think about this, Rob? And you and the wheels have to be 20, 26 inches. inches or larger or over 26 inches. Uh, oh, that's, that's right. Over, it's I think it's 26 or larger. Creating the loophole that uh, you can ride a Brompton through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Obviously, I was in a position where I could have said yes or no or, or helped make that decision, and I wasn't there at that time. And thank God, I really wish I, I'm really glad that I would, didn't have to be mm-hmm. a part of that decision because mm. it's a really horrible policy. It's just horrible policy to tax something that you want to encourage people to do. On the other hand, uh, $115 million for active transportation is a really nice number. And so the people who were in that decision the people who are advocating it, my former employers, my former uh, collaborative partners in the advocacy world had to make a decision based on what they were able to keep, what they were fighting. It could have been a lot worse. We could have gotten the bridge 
the Columbia River crossing mm-hmm. back up and funding. There could have been some Good enormous, God. horrible, horrible opportunities. Right. The enormous, uh, the multi-billion dollar boondoggle yep. that uh, has not resulted in a new bridge. Yep. But <laughs> I will tell you that despite Washington Washington's best efforts to the, to the tape. Yeah. I will tell you that almost every party I went to that wasn't just a bike-only party. People who were angry at bicyclists, and part of that came from not, quote, paying their fair share. And every fact that I would use, every opportunity they would use to show that bicycles actually do pay their fair share was taken as bullshit. Mm-hmm. The emotion out there was mm-hmm. bikes don't pay their fair share. Yeah. I don't know if this will answer that question for people. I don't because it's only $15. There's the people who hate bikes are probably going to hate bikes <laughs> anyway. Uh. In addition to that, I feel like, I, I mean, I'm a person who's somewhat connected to the bicycling world. And the fact that there was a bicycle tax caught me by surprise like long after it was already decided upon and implemented mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So uh, uh, but I don't know if the people that are complaining right now about bicyclists paying their, paying their fair share will know that bicyclists are, quote, paying their fair share. Right. And, and so, I mean, there's a general rule in advocacy is once you start explaining you're losing, you have to stick with emotion. <laughs> once you start explaining, yeah. you're losing. Right. And so that's why our current oligarch, who is in Washington, D.C., does so well is because he focuses on emotion. He doesn't focus on explaining. Um, although that didn't do not do him explain. well on the health care bill, right? Yeah. Um, but the, All emotion. <laughs> it's When you start talking about taxation and when you start talking about these intricacies of paying for the road, it's hard to explain and it's hard to get into emotion. Yeah. So I don't know what will work. I don't know if over time... What, what this will do. My fears are that over time it will be easy for someone to say $15, let's raise that to $30. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a very progressive uh, form of taxation. I was disappointed that the bicycle industry didn't step up in a way that I thought they would step up to fight this, whether it was it the Kmarts of Do you the, think it caught them? No, they were, surprised? they were told. Oh, okay. They were told before. I mean, I communicated okay. with them before they yeah, even got to that point. Yeah, and this is conversations I wasn't privy to. Yeah, so. and so we expected the whether it was the Targets or the Kmart's or the Walmart's of the world to step up and say, no way, there's no sales tax. So, but in that regard, and that's where that 200 number comes in, do you know what amount of that 200 came from lobbying from the other direction, which is, hey, let's look at the bikes we sell. Here's the number of the most popular bike. Let's punch it just a little bit above that. So we're not going to affect Target, but let's say we might affect, you know, River City. I, I don't know. I like was that. not a part okay. of those conversations well, in terms of that. And that's metrics. just like, I haven't heard a good explanation for where that 200 number came from. But I know if you walk into your average Walmart, Target, et cetera, they might, in a similar way that Fred Meyer lobbies for certain things because they know it's going to take their trucks less time. I, I, I'll, all I can tell you is what, how yeah. I would have approached oh, yeah. it. I no, would have walked no, I in, if I was negotiating, I would have walked in and said, if you want us to take this, what are you giving? Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say is, can we think about this a little bit differently? Mm-hmm. Do we want to discourage all bikes or are there a certain amount of bikes that we should tax? And can I give you something that you really want? I would have much preferred a dollar tax on tubes. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been more bearable and more, more made sense. Or even on tires. That's what hits on the road. On tires would have been fine too. Great. Like on expendable things that people will buy more often. Um, but I will say this for those who think that, um, that it's completely evil is that we do need to pay a part of a road cost. And yes, it should be, um, a percentage of what we hurt the road. And that would be really, really tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, We're being very generous right now as we pay um, this bicycle tax. But if this is it, if 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 the street trust and the folks that we're advocating are right and this is it, no more than $15, and that's the last we have to see it, that's all, 
I probably would stomach that. My fear, though, is that once you start paying something, it's easy to touch it again. Mm-hmm. And I, I worry that it goes from 15 to 30 relatively easier. Mm-hmm. It goes from 200 to 150 relatively easy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I would continue to look. If I was in that position, I would continue to look for the bike industry to see if they would fund a ballot initiative uh, to really try to potentially fight that. Um, it's just from a policy perspective, doesn't make sense, but it was not a policy decision. It was an emotional decision. I see. Yep. Yeah, definitely. That, that and makes so sense. If you're a bicycle advocate and you want to fight that, what you need to do is fight the emotional decision. You focus right. on the benefits that bicycle are bringing, not the uh, intellectual benefits, but the go, go make sure that when you're bicycling out in Troutdale, you're spending money in Troutdale, and you're sharing with them the story that you're bicycling and spending money in Troutdale. I went to the Plaid Pantry. I got a Gatorade, and I said to myself, in view of others and in uh, earshot of others, my, I am so glad I got this tasty Gatorade. So, yes. Um, and in that regard, would you say, so, and I've, I've had, like, multiply faceted conversations where many different approaches have been used. I feel that the eco argument is almost basically dead at this point in time. And so would you have any advice for people in their communities to not only spend money, but engage with people um, as they travel through, but on an emotional level, what have you found to be effective in that regard? Um, For me, the emotional experience that you travel through these communities and what you see Mm -hmm. and be a part of it's um, I don't care as much about Troutdale's, um, Plaid Pantry <laughs> um, as Troutdale's a really neat community. It is. Right. And that will, that, that makes an impact on people in Troutdale. I can yep. say. If yeah. I hadn't biked through your community, I wouldn't have seen it. I would have no idea that right. there was a place called ye old pub. Exactly. Right on Halsey. Um, and just this opportunity to engage with people that we don't normally engage with the, 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 dis- the divide between rural America mm-hmm. and urban America, you can see it in the election. It's why Trump was elected. If we want to make a change in communities, we need to open up dialogue and mm-hmm. really understand where people are coming from. Yeah. And so I've had a joy and of opportunity to be in some dialogue with people who are in eastern Oregon, who mm-hmm. are former ranchers or current ranchers that are trying to make it, and what those experiences are like, and having an experience to be able to say, but bicycling is great. And they're like, okay, why? <laughs> and it's really about... Oh, Never done because it, this care. person down the road is making money because his B&B is now full. Sure. That matters to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I totally understand and appreciate the timber in this country or what that experience will be like. The eco envi- argument um, is it's not very like, emotional. Yeah. And that's just the one I see people most commonly go to. And so that's just why I wanted to, to draw it out right. in terms of alternatives. I saw, um, I saw a bumper sticker on a Prius yesterday that said, coal-free Portland. And I'm like, if you really believe that emissions are a problem, whether it's coal or other, mm-hmm. regardless of what, you, even driving a Prius is not healthy. Yep. And so that... Prius got to come from somewhere. Yeah. Well, and there's an enormous power plant in Boardman, Oregon, that it bur- burns coal, you know, it's and that's probably where they're getting some of their electricity from. Correct. And so it's got to be, you got to think, you got to think it through. Mm-hmm. And before you even like put your bumper sticker in your car, uh, think about the choices that you're making and what it says to folks. And it's not easy. Um, and in some ways it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that need to listen first. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. Yeah. Uh, big ears. Do you notice on your face the amount of square inches devoted to hearing? You get almost twice as much as the uh, square inches on your face, not behind your face, but on your <laughs> face, devoted to talking. Yeah. <laughs> so biology should teach us something. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left, Rob, but I do want just like a, a sound bite. Just like the the tiniest snippet, you've got the question, what lessons can we take from nonprofits and apply to government? We've been kind of talking about how government could improve, I suppose, in this city. But just like, you know, in in two minutes, what would you say about that? So first of all, I'd say when people say that uh, government should run more like businesses, um, I think they're wrong. They should run more like nonprofits. There should be some accountability factor of who you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. Businesses are accountable to shareholders, not to the general public. Nonprofits are responsible to the public charity and the public good so i think there are lessons within there and that need to be public transparent and really clear what you're doing and communicating what you're doing so that later on someone doesn't say why did you support that you gotta be really clear Hmm. and government also needs to be really really clear and listen to the constituency that it's supposed to serve again ears speaking of which you can plug those headphones back in. The audience cannot see that Rob was was I was so passionate, impassioned enough that he unplugged his headphones, and that's you know that uh, that's what should happen. <laughs> that's why we had you in. Um, I think those turn like slightly the other way. Oh, oh I got it. Yep. There you, you go. It. Yeah, those, those are confusing. They should be. They should be more it's articulated. Basically, the Rubik's cube of yeah. headphones. Headphones. They, they're they are not easy when they when they flip around to figure out. So. As we close out with you, Rob, uh, just tell me, uh, unemployment and underemployment, what is it like? You've been here. Oh, my God. So when I, when I, when I stepped down from being the executive director of this organization, my, my thought had always been beforehand is that I can never retire. Like, I have to work all the time. And one thing I learned being underemployed is that, you know what? It's really nice to not work. It's ah. really nice to be underemployed because so I can okay do things like that. I can go to yoga. I can do things that I haven't been able to do. I haven't been bored. I've been keeping myself busy. Mm-hmm. I've been really active. On the other hand, looking for a job really is emotionally draining. It is yep. incredibly demeaning. Uh, so if you're out there as an interviewer, understand that some of the questions that you ask, um, it, it feels like you're sticking a big sword in, 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 that, in me. Mm-hmm. Me, you're sticking yes. it in me, and you're just sort of just pulling it. But like things like, you know, like the simple question of why did you decide to make a change, right? It's like, can I talk about the future and what I'm really looking forward to and how I fit with this organization? Mm-hmm. And you, and it's just a it, again, it's demoralizing. I can't even imagine what it's like for mm-hmm. someone who is less fortunate than me in terms of money that w- will have to accept any job. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's a drag, but it's also been incredibly powerful for me. I've decided to go back and get a master's degree at the age of 52. Hey, um, and it's going to be crazy, but um, I'm going to do it. And we were um, just talking about the importance of education. Yeah. And, and I feel really good about my life despite this struggle to figure out like how to make ends meet. Hmm. And thank God I have a wife who works and has a great job. Um, that helps too. It helps a lot. And it's allowed me the freedom to be able to not just accept crap mm-hmm. um, but not everyone is out there who can do that sure but i also do understand that it could be another six months and i could be i mean really if i wasn't if i did not live with my wife i could be close to homeless right now right right so yeah. it, it kind of um appreciates who, what i have um appreciates who i am and appreciates the family and the people it's really amazing who's reached out and who hasn't reached out but it's just yeah just live your life and enjoy it um 
it's a really great world out there. It is. It is. And you got more time when you're not working to experience that world. So, so I can ride almost anytime I want right now. It's mm-hmm. really sweet. You're kind of lucky in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you came in to chat with us. Thank, thank you so you. much for being here. We yeah. can talk for hours more, I'm sure, obviously, on, on all these topics. But but thank you for giving us uh, giving us some food for thought. Yeah, it was my joy. Uh, do you have time to hang out with us for our calendar news? I'd love to hear the calendar news. Food pun segment. I love mail. puns. <laughs> Are they going to be really corny? Well, hang on. <laughs> that here de- comes our that, calendar that first. That puns. <laughs> Yes. A.K.A. Yes. Don't don't ever use that. Calendar. Sounder brought to you by Tim Mooney of the Pedal Shift Project, who, by the way, just did an episode on uh, bike touring and hot weather and mm-hmm. some tips on that. And that'll be relevant to Portlanders, but it's summertime, so it's probably going to be relevant to a lot of people. Uh, so on our calendar, what we got? We've got August 5th is Jen's Bike Move. That's right. Yes. And this is a friend of ours in the bicycle community. Uh, she is, uh, you know, all of her information is there on uh, on the internet. So if you are in town, you want to help her move by bike, it is a public event. You don't have to know her. You just have to show up with uh, anything that can move some of her stuff. Precisely. It's um, a great experience. If you haven't done it, do Oh, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Bike moves, as we discussed last show. Not as well publicized, but certainly not dead. In fact, I'd like to see more bike moves here in Portland. Bike moves not dead. And on August 26th... <laughs> Sorry, that's my headphone going to the microphone. <laughs> on August 26th, we have Cycle in the City Bike Party in Edmonton, thanks to Glenn Kubish. Yes, and that does bring up the point that if you've got stuff on the calendar that uh, it's not in Portland, send it in. Because people, you know, there's people everywhere, and they want to do things. Mm-hmm. August 27th through 28th, we have the Dirty Selwood. Dirty this, Selwood. You're never going to make it. This time, you're not going to make it to Cape Lookout, <laughs> and you're certainly not going to make it back. I love that as the name of an event. You're never going to make it. <laughs> or is that the slogan? So oh, it's a bike ride from Selwood to Cape Lookout? Yep. That's what it is? Yes. I could probably make it to Selwood. Yeah. And you're never going to make it to the ocean. <laughs> Cape Lookout is one of my favorite bicycle camping destinations oh, yeah. on the coast. I think it's Whalen like Island. Uh, what is it? Oh, it's just south. Where do you camp when you do Lake Lookout? I camp the um, I camp at the state park where okay. they have the hiker biker sites. But oh, there's a yeah. lot of spots. I mean, okay. you know, you could you could sneak off into the woods anywhere. We're not telling you to camp on private property or anywhere where you're officially not allowed to camp. That would be we wrong. Would never say that. But there are beautiful places out there where you could sleep this near is the beach. September 1st, we have Film by Bike in Petoskey, Michigan, Eugene, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, and Charlevoix, Michigan. And I was just thinking, will it play in Charlevoix? All on the same day? Uh, nope, but they are coming up. Oh, so okay. <laughs> check your Film by Bike calendar from your next friendly, friendly filmbybike.org website. Wait, they're not on the same date, you say? Uh, oh, well, or shoot. Are, well, we, I mean, they're all September listed on our 1st, calendar. September 1st. As, That's you know a, what, I'll have to look at that. Okay. I would be surprised if they were. But it is listed as such. <laughs> we should fix that if it's not the case, I guess. When in doubt, um, don't trust the person who works for the organization that just made this announcement. <laughs> <laughs> Go to filmbybike.org. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking, since I didn't get to see any of the bike films, I could mm. go to Eugene on September 1st yeah. and see the program. Have you I, been a judge before? I, I think have, I I've think been a that, jury uh, member. Yeah. Okay. I do think that these are all collected because I know that we had a, a Eugene screening uh, just about a week ago. So okay. I think they might be uh, on separate dates there. That's that's what I'm going to go with for so right I now. So I cannot go to Eugene and see film by bike this That is year. correct. But I may <laughs> okay. I may be able to pull some strings. We'll, we'll see here. All right. We'll figure that out. But again, for the final answer, go to filmbybike.org. 
On October 6th, we have the AMLX Challenge. And this is that great concept. It's kind of like stuff that's been done here where, you know, it's uh, there. there is no prize except glory. There is no price except pain. And you ride many, many miles on gravel roads. Mm-hmm. This is all out in West Virginia. On October 6th through the 8th, at the same time as the AMLX Challenge, we have the Youth Bicycle Summit. Yes. Are you a youth or do you know a youth that is into bicycles? There is a summit for them. So. Or are you engaged in youth development? Right. Right. You can be involved that way, too. Mm-hmm. So that, that's our calendar. And, Where is it? Uh, that is in Washington, D.C. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should and get some uh, on-the-ground on the coverage by Tim Mooney. We should. Tim Mooney, I know... I freaking know you're listening. <laughs> there we go. Uh, he gave us that sound, too. And I haven't played this in a long time, but we're done with the calendar. We're going to play the quote. Every day, every day of the year. That's a great song, Calendar Girl. Uh, it's got a super sexist 1950s-style video. Hmm. I don't recommend, just because like it uh, it just strikes me the wrong way. It's but Pol- it was the Polenka, 50s. right? Uh, let's say, wait, uh, what's his name? Yeah, it's not. It's not Palenka. Frankie Valley. No, it's it's close, but huh. oh, you think I'd know? Yeah, because I listen to this. But well, it'll be an opportunity be, for someone to write answers. In. Will yeah, yeah, someone will write in. <laughs> That's us, what we did. This send for. us some mail. <laughs> there for you. <laughs> the Sprocket Podcast at Gmail dot com, or I feel like Twitter is a place where people get angry, right? Sometimes at Sprocket Podcast. Send us your email there. Hashtag. Send, send, it, send it as an email. Just send it in like 18 tweets. Hashtag Paulinka. Don't, don't forget the capitals. Form, I, it, form is important. I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to find out. Okay, we got one piece of news here. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like it. My bike is fast. I like it. My bike is fast. I like it. My bike is fast. It circles around the city lights. From former cone co excuse me co-host Brandon Rhodes, he's also a cone host from time to time. He'll put ice cream in a cone. Hey, he will hand it to you. I think Excellent. he also likes Kona roast. That, Kona wait, roast. Yeah, yes, former Kona roast fan Brandon Rhodes. We have an article from the Willamette Week: a people-powered rail car ride on the Oregon coast. Yes. Oh, so this sounds great. Yeah, and I'll read the article here. It's been almost, or the excerpt from the article, it's been almost 10 years since the last freight car trundled along the rails between Bay City and Tillamook. Out on the Oregon coast. After a decade, tufts of grass has, have started to reclaim the land between the ties. The twin ribbons have started to rust, and locals have forgotten what it's like to wait in their cars for a train to pass in that area. So, when the crossing arms started coming down on a defunct section of the Port of Tillamook Bay Railroad, it caught more than a few people off guard. They do a double take when they realize the flashing red lights and alarm bells are announcing the arrival of a people-powered cycle tour. What? Last May, Oregon Coast Rail Riders revived this stretch of track on a skinny strip of land where the tracks run parallel to the U.S. Highway 101, offering a two-hour, 14-mile out-and-back trip between Bay City and Tillamook's Godspeed Park. Yes, it's, uh, it's God- pretty awesome. Godspeed. 
Yeah, yes. Uh, I've been to Tomac probably 50 times, and I've never heard of Godspeed Park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was something like this in Eastern Oregon as well. I want to say in the Joseph area. it's in Joseph, between uh, Joseph and Enterprise. A place that you're familiar with. I grew up there, yeah. Yes, and you can ride the rails out there. I want to say the insurance company that sponsors that one makes you wear a helmet. Oh, do they? I think. (laughs) Um, Um, Because you could go off the rails. I could. Oh. (laughs) It's all all the insurance company, you know. It's it's their fault. And if Uh, anyone's curious to see the one in Eastern Oregon, Russ and Laura did a wonderful feature on it on their channel a couple For of sure. years ago. Yeah, and so this is Pathless Pedaled. Totally, pathlesspedal.com. Those guys are great. I haven't seen them in like a couple of years now. I gotta catch up with them. Oh someday. yeah, they're busy. Oh, they they keep busy. They're no, very they're good doing at some what great they do. Work in I think Wyoming right now. Too. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's that man. They're they're good at what they do. Go to the pathlesspedal.com. Uh, but yes, the, there's a closer option than Joseph. If you can't make it out to Joseph, you can, as a matter of fact. Rent a car or drive the car that you own out to the coast. Car you could share. do this. You could car share. You could take the bus. You could take take uh, the wave. Yeah, the wave out to Tillamook. It's uh, it's like a fifteen dollar ride. No, now, it's I think. like eight bucks. No kidding. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. I is think that right? two, I think both ways back is fifteen. Oh, but okay. if you're just going one way, it's like seven or eight. Last time I took it. Gotcha. Yeah. Do they have Wi-Fi? Um, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> what is this uh, Amtrak ground transportation? No, I was just thinking. You know. <laughs> You can see some Netflix while you're headed out to the coast. I don't know. Instead probably, of driving, and if you've ever taken a, uh, drivers, uh, uh, awesome. a bus through the Tillamook Mountain Ra- or Forest Range, I think I'd probably get pretty sick watching Netflix. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, the, you, the bus is going up and down and back oh, yeah. and forth. I'll, yeah. I'll ask him next time we do that. Sick, so. I do know that they're very good at fitting more bikes on that than you would anticipate based on the number of hooks available. Oh, good. That's so, right. Well, and I have a folding bike, so it's oh yeah, pretty you're easy. good to go. There we go. Yeah, so which is rentable on Spinlister. Yeah, and no bike tax. Yet, no, because right? it's small tires. It's like eighteen-inch tires. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Calendar Girl. It's by Neil Sedaka. Is it Sedaka? Neil Sedaka. Sedaka. Is that how you say yes. it? Yes. Okay. Yep. That's the guy. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, that's uh, those are our headlines. That's the one headline. But I, I like the idea that again, this whole like rail bike thing. And I remember, I don't know if this is inside baseball or not, but I, I think uh, it's kind of limiting though. If you think about it. You well, have to stay on the trail. You can't. You can only use unless the rails. you go yeah. off the rail. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> see how this thing off road. See what? How's the suspension on the on these rail cars? Quite bumpy. Yeah, uh, I want to say that uh, a certain local bike shop owner was working on their own version of kind of a rail speeder, like oh, just cool. a pedal powered rail speeder thing. And I said, "Where would you go out and ride it?" And this person said, "Well, you know." Where are there railroad tracks? <laughs> Wherever, yeah. Mm-hmm. You do have to be How careful. How hard is it to get off? If right? you do it well, yes. That reminds me of my first time. So I was thinking of the idea of, you know, like you can go out and ride on the rails, but there's also the problem of if, if those rails are currently in use and a train shows up, you either have to bail and, like, give up on this rail speeder and build a new one a minor inconvenience yeah yeah uh so of course you know it seems like you probably shouldn't ride on active rail line these guys are doing it right time travel well yes you time travel back to like when like just right right after they built the tracks you just need the 10 first minutes. train rail uh or oh you're talking about time travel hmm probably not so worth getting ways. into in this episode 88 but maybe miles that's an hour? a future episode for us yes We'll go back to it. Time travel, sausage, yeah. bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a sounder for this, but a new segment here, and this segment probably won't come back, I'm guessing, because um, it just doesn't come up that often. But food puns. So I'm a part of uh, there's the uh, socialnetworknextdoor.com, 
where neighbors can talk to each other about stuff that happens. This is both amusing, hilarious, and bicycle-related. So one of my neighbors posts, Are you a gal that drunkenly crashed her bike into my curbside vegetable garden around 2.30 this morning? Along with making a mess of my landscaping, you left your phone in a patch of beets. If you would like your phone back, which I assume you do, message me here and I'll arrange for you to get it back. So, you know, there are a couple different uh, comments because you can comment on these things. Uh, Oh, man, walk of shame, says one neighbor. Neighbor Laura says, whoops. Then the puns start. Kevin says, I'm assuming that the phone is somewhat beat up. (laughs) Neighbor responds, I didn't see any beet juice on it, but the battery is dead. Luckily, I saw it before I started watering the beets. I don't think he understood that there was puns (laughs) happening yet. I I always like it when, like, one person in a string misses it, but then it just picks right back up again. Leslie says, this post beat all the others for making me laugh today. (laughs) Phil says, was it badly soiled? Phil said, I bet the culprit didn't care at all. Someone did... uh, these sound like song lyrics. Did you lose your fun in a dr- uh, phone in a drunken haze? You didn't call last night. Did you think about your sunken ways? You just don't treat me right. That sounds like a song. I don't know what song mm. that is. It's pretty great, though. Um, but someone will write in. Someone will write in and yeah. tell us what that was. Phil also says, bean there. You just need to make peas with it. Oh. Yuma says, let us know if the rightful owner turnips. Oh, perfect. She's lucky, says Cat, that it didn't get squashed. If you charge the phone, Don says, maybe you can pair it with another device. Lizzie says, this post is very good. I hope said woman gets her phone back and finds peas. P.S. You can take it to a phone store and they'll charge it for you. They can also determine the carrier and contact the owner. No puns in that, but it's very oh, helpful. So close, though. Yeah, exactly. I felt like it was coming, but... It didn't. It could have rose to the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> Bill says... Uh, Made a pun about the case leaking. Oh. Audit. Elisa, Elisa asks, is the, is the phone an apple or a Blackberry? Oh. Do you live on the house on the corner? Uh-huh. Oh. See who needs Prairie Home Companion. <laughs> exactly. Joke show. Katie says, let us wrap this up before nightfall, hopefully. Lizzie says, all of you all are offering some very sage advice here. Hopefully the person will get her phone back in time. Oh. oh. Lynette says, I've been guarding this phone forever, but one little mishap and Johnny jumps up all clover me. Steve, of course, again, repeating one that's already been made. Hopefully she'll turn up soon. Don says, this is getting radicios. Would it be rude if I could just come pick it up? I'm sure you didn't have to plant. You didn't plant to have it this long. Oh, I think uh, I'm in love with Don. Yeah, Don also says the stream is corny and plum silly. Is that Don, D-A-W-N, or D-A-O-N? Uh, D-O-N. Yeah. Uh, I'm Phil, still in love with you, Don. Yes. Don's on it. Phil says, enough of the plant puns. I think this will do. Oh, Ooh. nice. Phil, I, for one, will mulch over what you just said. Our zucchini me, I'm gardening my I'm gardening my optimism, and a snap pee ending that the gal's sweet re-onion with her phone will happen. <laughs> But it's looking like my hopes will be squashed and this weedy banter will grow on forever. How much time do your neighbors have on hand? Surprisingly a lot, I love right? This so mulch. Okay, let us wrap this up, says Lizzie. <laughs> and as much fun as it's been, it's time to squash this conversation and plant the seeds for a new one. So, next door, not always full of complaining neighbors. This one was was a lot of fun. Thank you guys. So that, you know, that was perfect. I I wanted to share it just because like that was that was there were so many good good puns. It was I, so entertaining. I, I salute you, Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> we 
we may not have a constant stream of vegetable puns on a social network for neighbors, but what we do have, beyond the shadow of a doubt. We got mail. Hey, we got mail. All right. Uh, do you have this pulled up here? I do. Excellent. Thank you. I am behind. No problem. I scrolled ahead of you because I honestly lost track, but was enjoying the sound bites. <laughs> From Nemo, uh, it sounds like we have some cash to rent a tandem with. That's right. Yeah. So Nemo wrote in and sent us actual mail and uh, like physical mail. I opened up the envelope and a $20 bill fell out. I have a tandem. You have a tandem? Yeah. Can I rent it from you? You can. Is it on Spinlister? No, but we can work it out. Okay. Sounds good. Very good. Uh, Nemo said that like, if we find a good way to... Yeah. So this all stemmed from the, the conversation Aaron and I were having about how like there's kind of like some inherent sexism with tandems <laughs> and oh, how... Like uh, Stoker... Steer. Yeah, stoker captain, like ten, nine times out of ten, you're going to have, like, you know, yep. a male stoker in front, a fe- or sorry, a male captain in front, a female stoker in back. And what that's, about some equity? Why can't the ladies steer the tandem every now and again? That's mm-hmm. all assuming that it's a man and woman riding a tandem. And that's a great big assumption that I don't want to say is the only way to ride. You know, you can ride a tandem many different ways. That's true. It's very multimodal. So, yeah. Uh, whatever it is, I think we came across the idea that generally tandems are built with the idea that the largest person would probably be the captain in oh, really? front. And huh. I don't know that every tandem is built that way, but many Has probably it? contain that. And you can, you know, it depends on the bike whether you can adjust hmm. it or not. Mm-hmm. But the question was, can we get a tandem where Aaron will ride in front because he is smaller than I am mm-hmm. and I will stoke in back? You're, um... It's the arm strength that you really want to worry about. Cause you, sure. You have to balance two people. Able to, yeah. And that's the, that's mm. a, the, the big difference. But there's some really interesting tandems where you can have the stoker in the front. Yes. Like a steering rod. Almost as a, a recumbent. Mm-hmm. And then the um, the captain is up there. And yep. then what's really nice about that for if you're a stoker is you don't have to look at the person's butt. You guys yep. get to yep. see Just chill the future out. out there. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, it's really yeah. great for people with disabilities to experience bicycling in a new way. For sure. Mm-hmm. Feeling of the air through their face or their hair. And, um, and it's, it's just quick to joy. Right. <laughs> There's also nothing wrong with staring at butts if it's consensual and you're not creepy about it. But, you might not you might not want to look at one all the time while you're riding a bike. So it's probably an end to that story somewhere. <laughs> As it were. <laughs> From Aqua, her dad found the C T lock. C T lock. Have you heard about this? I've not. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? No. There is uh there's a, a I'm seat. intrigued. Kind of like, you know, the Abus locks where they're like little swinging pieces of metal that mm-hmm. fold out of a frame and they get way bigger and you can put yep. them around all yep, the yep. integral parts of your bike. You uh, you can also get the CT lock, which is it's kind of that model of lock, but and all this the is CT like S E A T Y, right? Like lock. under the seat, yep, there's yep. all these like pieces of metal that all hinge together, and they fold up underneath the seat. So when you stop where you want to go, number one, you don't worry about someone stealing your saddle because it's part of the lock, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the lock does lock, you know, uh, as as those Abus locks do. I can't remember the name, uh, the model name of the Abus, but it is the that. Bordo. The Bordo is that it? The folding ones. Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, Aqua passed that along. It's kind of a cool idea. Bordo. I don't. Yep. What marketing genius came up with that? Something. Uh, the Bordo. Something something Germany. Yeah. Oh well. Maybe. Is it uh, is it like a 1967 vintage? Uh, if it's been aging for a while, it might taste pretty good. Oh, it's like possible. Bordeaux. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well, yeah. yeah. I wish it was spelled that way. If unfortunately it's not. 
maybe as bike shop owners out there, you should start pronouncing it's, it as it's Bordeaux. It's spelled a little closer and to, see whether like, you uh, to Lardo or, or for the restaurant chain here in town. But. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, Which has s- done pretty well, despite the fact that I thought that was a bad name, too. So mm-hmm. don't listen to me about names. When I serve it to you, don't whine about the flavor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's, that's a stretch. That's a stretch, right? That's mm-hmm. a good way. So I like that because that's a great way to be able to have an adjustable seat. Because I've always just sure. glued a steel bearing into mine. But then whenever, any, whenever anybody else wants to ride my bike, I find myself having to like light it out and then pull it out with a magnet ah. so that I can adjust the seat. So that okay. seems like an excellent solution there. Which is, by the way, one of the challenges with Spin Lister. Yep. Is I didn't realize that way. I was like, oh, sure, I'll rent that bike. And then, like, oh, I don't even remember where the seat goes. Yes. <laughs> danger, danger. <laughs> From Ranger, Tom goes bicycling on Highway 14, dot, dot, dot. Almost. Almost. Uh, enjoying that, Col- that Colorado Tales. I can almost smell Brock's feet. You guys were chatting about biking <laughs> WA14 up to the gorge in episode 363. I'm riding 14 on an overnight Monday from Portland to Beacon Rock, and we'll let you know how that is. Cheers to you, Tom. Thanks, Ranger Tom. And then he sends us a message today, and he doesn't use a profanity. He uses, like, all the cartoony symbols that would happen when a Are you going to pronounce character. them? Uh, it says, fuck that. It's like the surface <laughs> of Venus. This is pretty hot today. But surely I can get to Southeast Division and 12th, which is where this I opened the, my second can of the show, uh, also from the beer mongers. And that's what's there at Southeast Division 12. Did you did you know? Were you aware? No, but I am now. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Well, tell all your friends. No, I I live close to there. So do you do? Yes, yeah. you. Again, you've we said it was Kitty there. Corner to to uh, Apex. So. Yes, and preferable to all the other options. I'm not going to say anything bad about any local business, but I would say if the beer mongers is open, that's where I'm going to get my beer. So, yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for coming in, Rob. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Guthrie, thank you for filling in for yeah. a month. My pleasure. You've been on this show for a whole month. It's oh, been shoot. fantastic. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, let's close this out. You ready to go? I am ready. All right. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio, thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Twitter at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katharina Mellingard. Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie. Justin Martin, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean. Richard Wazenski, Tim Mooney, Orange and Purple. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, and Jim Gooden. Eric Weiss, Doug Cohen Miller, Todd Parker. Chris Gonzalez, Dan Gebhardt, who's a time traveler. Yes, he is. Zoe Campagna. Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster. Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Patrick Archain, Sebastian Poole, Marco Lowe. Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder. I had beers with Andrew in Colorado. Excellent. In Colorado. Ooh. Anna, Krista, John Wasserman. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Josh Zeeson. Uh, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, right over there across the table, Brandon Shelby. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Campsite, Mac Nurse David. Kathy at Cycling, Walking, Eating, Talking. Nathan Poulton, Chris Rawson, who I also had beers with in Colorado. <laughs> at the same time as I had beers with Andrew in Colorado. In Colorado. <laughs> Rory in Michigan. Michael Flurney, Jeremy Kitchen, David... Uh, Belias. Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Hugel. Ed Whitman, E.J. Finneran, Paul Colbertson. If that's your real name. Brad Hipwell, Thomas Gato. 
Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagoner, Jason Optenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, and Dennis O'Brien, and all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth and go to bed. Cabbage you later. did do a show before 8.30, which I think is actually pretty good, considering how my laptop is doing here. Yeah, no kidding. When yeah. did we start? Uh, seven. Oh. Yeah, yeah, just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. I guess the math does check out. <laughs> <laughs>